0: Our goal at The Chris Spangle Show is to help you sound smarter while talking with your friends. If you struggle to understand politics, we explain it from an independent, libertarian perspective with all of the irreverence modern politics deserves. We toss out the screaming heads and put people before political parties and give context to the news to make you think. I'm the host. I'm a 15-year veteran of politics and media, and this show is published every Saturday. It's part of the We Are Libertarians network, and be sure to join Wall Plus for bonus podcasts, the complete archives, commercial-free shows, and more. Subscribe now at Libertarians.com. Can I pause for a second and just note that uh, we got Brian on here who's getting uh, Congressman Massey on, and our typical lineup includes like homeless people that believe in Bigfoot. <laughs> Is that copy written? I hope not. Well, hey folks, Brian Nichols here on the Brian Nickel Show, happy Wednesday, yes, and thank you for joining us on another, of course, fun-filled episode of The Brian Nickel Show, and today I am joined by longtime Liberty activist and singer-songwriter Carla Howell. Now, Carla has been doing amazing work in the Greater Liberty Movement, not only helping raise awareness for Liberty, but actually helping get some uh, really pro-Liberty uh, amendments on the ballot in a state like Massachusetts and get a good portion of of the vote so it shows that despite the notion that we can't talk to people outside of our movement, they're just not going to listen, Carla is finding success, and believe it or not, she's using the very tactics that we talk about here at the Brian Nichols Show, utilizing those skills of what? Sales, marketing, talking about building value, meeting people where they're at, and problem solving. It is not a matter, as she says, of being bold versus practical, but being able to be bold and practical at the same point in time, so a great conversation coming up here with Carla Howell. So, with that being Said, onto the show, Carla Howell here on the Brian Nichols show. Thank you very much. Great Absolutely, to be thank you, Carla. Thank you so much for joining the program. I am so excited to have a conversation today because you have been easily one of the best communicators through what every medium that's out there, both in terms of trying to articulate the message of liberty through the spoken word, but also. Through song, I mean goodness, what what don't you do? So, Carla, for the folks out there who aren't familiar with you, uh, let's do a quick introduction. Carla uh, Howell, who are you? And uh, let's do a quick introduction to the Brian Nichols Show audience.
1: Well, thank you so much. It's great to be here. And I got active 25 years ago, initially with a Harry Brown campaign, most inspirational candidate ever, incredible. And you know that got me rolling, and I've been full time libertarian ever since. I was on staff at the Libertarian National Committee, uh, executive director and political director for five and a half years. I ran three tax cut ballot initiatives in Massachusetts, all of them, uh, two of them to end the income tax completely. One got 45 percent of the vote. The other one was ahead in the polls at one point. Um, We really rocked things in Massachusetts big time. We got our bold issues talked about as, you know, central to the whole election, not just our campaigns. The governor candidates were talking about it. The the pundits were talking about it. So we did a lot with that in Massachusetts. I ran for office three times as a libertarian, state auditor, Senator against Ted Kennedy, governor against Mitt Romney back in 2002, then watched in horror as he unraveled uh, or presented to us Romney care, one of my least favorite things in the world. (laughs) And, um, Healthcare is a big passion of mine. That's how I got into the libertarian movement was because of healthcare. And now I've been recording and releasing songs that have a libertarian theme as one more way to reach people and show them why liberty works.
0: I love it. I, I love it cuz I think, you know, and I just had Matt keeping the show, we know telling stories is the best way to help get people to uh to maybe pay more attention. They can hear a little bit of their themselves, maybe their their own personal struggle in a song. And I mean right, right there, the songs can speak to people on such a different level. One of my favorite bands right now is AJR, and I think it's because I hear so much of, you know, overlying themes that I see present in my life identified in the songs. And I'm like, they get me, but at least they know how to tell the story. So Carla, let's kind of talk about those stories. What kind of stories are you telling through your songwriting?
1: Well, they're all different. I've written, uh, uh nine songs. I think there three of which have been released, released so far, different topics, different musical styles. Um, one that is released now, one of the three that's released is called Good Folks, It's About Guns. And when I became a libertarian in ninety-four, ninety-five, um, guns was one issue that I did not agree with Libertarian Party on. And I had no I had no exposure to guns in my life, <clears throat> except for someone who was close to me in my life who had worked for Handgun Control Inc. in the eighties. So that was um, that was what I knew about guns was next to nothing except for the why would anyone need one? So I went through an evolution of uh, meeting libertarians who I agreed with on everything else, and they kind of showed me the way. And I met lots and lots of gun owners, went to many, many gun rallies, spoke at rallies, went to shows, went to clubs and got to know a lot of gun owners. And, oh, my God, night and day, the, the experience of gun owners versus how they are portrayed and how guns are portrayed, you know, just night, just Some of the nicest, most responsible people I've ever met. And that's why the song is called Good Folks, because they're good folks. And yet they're portrayed as, you know, crazy Um, stuff that's just not representative of the average gun owner. So I wanted people to just see what I went through. It was really designed mostly for the people who aren't already pro-gun, nor are they rabidly anti-gun because people like that are probably just not going to listen too much. But try to open the minds of people who haven't thought that much about guns and the importance of self-defense and how real self-defense is in this country and in the world. And that's what I I hope to do with this song is to get that message out to people.
0: I love it. I'm from upstate New York, and I don't think people in big cities realize that you are quite literally in the middle of nowhere. And I mean literally (laughs) middle of nowhere. Your average response time for a police officer is in some places upwards of 30 plus minutes. So, I mean, let's just think about from the most personal standpoint, the the response we hear, the objection we hear, you can just go ahead and call the police. Okay, well, can you wait 30 minutes for the police officer to show up? That's, that's real life. That's why it's so important for people to be able to defend themselves and take it a step further. I mean, we're seeing, I just had a, a show uh, where we discussed the tragedy that's happening in Myanmar. And one of the main underlying sad themes that was being brought up was that right now because of the way that the government had approached the citizens uh, a, a, a ability to uh, bear arms and defend themselves they didn't have that right so you have citizens who are now trying to defend themselves against a, a tyrannical military who's performing a military coup and they quite literally are, are, are armless. They have nothing to do uh, against this military. So you had now have a situation where you have 700 Myanmar, um, or, uh, I think it's, yeah, Myanmar civilians who have been murdered by the, the military. It, it's horrifying. And it speaks though exactly to the point. It is so important for us to, to pay attention and learn. And I think right there, you, you, spoke to it, which I'd love to learn a little bit more about is, is your fact that you, you admit you didn't know something and you wanted to learn a little bit more. How, is that, uh, how how did that whole learning process help shape your overall libertarian beliefs?
1: Well, it just, first of all, showed to me that I don't, things aren't as they appear or what I thought they were. And so I had some learning to do. And I, I was in the process of, I had just gone through learning a lot about healthcare, which is what got me to, to the libertarian movement. And I I I had started to see that government was fundamentally dysfunctional and that we couldn't trust the claims they were making about its efficacy. And so I was, I was on a learning path at that point. And um, just, you know, meeting one of the interesting um, stories, not in the song, but that was part of my evolution was uh, in 96, I was brand new libertarian and someone said, you know, I was there to help and volunteer and I didn't know what, To do, and someone said, Why don't you petition for a candidate at a gun show? Good place to get signatures. And I was like, A gun show? (laughs) Okay. I I didn't even know they had gun shows. I mean, I didn't know anything about guns. And the thought of going to a gun show was just a little shocking to me. And I thought, Well, okay, I'll go. And I went and it was this little show and it was not well promoted. So there was very few people there and the dealers were not too busy and they all had these cases of guns and knives laid out. And I was just shocked looking at these things. You know, I just, Oh my God. And, but I taught, I went around the room and talked to all of them and they were smart. They were articulate. They were very safety conscious responsible. Nothing like what I thought. I mean, that was a real moment for me in in waking up. And later when I got active and was running for office and I was at a rally and a Boston Herald um, columnist was behind stage and I was back there with some other tax acts, activists trying to convince her to be more open-minded about guns. She had already written her slanderous column, which was going to run the next morning. Uh, she was just there to say she was there and get a quote and that, you know and send it. And she had, she was not in the least bit open-minded. And she wrote, you know, and I I said to her, why don't you just go walk around and meet some people? She wouldn't go. She did not actually go out and talk to any of the people in the crowd. She just sat back there with her, with her opinions and then wrote this horrible, uh, article with gun nuts in the title. And it was just, wow. (laughs) And, um, so that was, that was good folks. And, uh, You know, I'd love to just see people get to a point where if you don't want to have a gun or you don't think you need a gun in your life, that's fine and dandy. I just hope you appreciate that some people really do need it and it's a matter of life and death. And how can you take
0: that away from them? How can you take that right away? And better pray that that people have the gun in the cases that they need it. (laughs) Like at least pray that there's other people out there who will say, hey, you know, despite that, I will be there to defend you. I think that's super important too.
1: And that's another reason why gun owners are good folks, you know, that they're willing, most of them are very willing to put their life at risk and just defend someone. If they have a firearm and a shooting where occurred, they are ready to do that. I mean, that is incredibly generous.
0: Mm-hmm. And, yeah.
1: and, and having people around like that makes a huge difference.
0: Oh, for it sure. Makes- for sure. So- well, and that's why we need, I think, and it goes to your other venture, <laughs> and you say it so casually, because... The Center for Small Government, that was one of the organizations you co-founded. And I just had Eric Brakey. He's uh, from Young Americans for Liberty on the show. And he was talking about, you know, right now looking at states like Texas, for example, they're having right now a situation where they're going to have a constitutional amendment, fingers crossed, passed where Texas could be a a constitutional carry state. And you're seeing more and more of these small government wins where the the, I would say, conservative-slash- small l libertarian sentiments that are across the nation have been taking hold and they're starting to have some real policy difference and we are seeing that that difference is, is going more and more towards this idea of small government so let's kind of go back to 2005 when you helped co-found the Center for Small Government kind of what was the the world in obviously is an era of George Bush you know the Iraq war so i'm i'm sure that that must have been top of mind but maybe dig more into the mindset of what was the uh, the beginning of the Center for a Small Government
1: well, the campaigns that we had run um, my slogan as a candidate was small government is beautiful. And that was the theme in both my governor and Senate runs. And <clears throat> that's my passion. And I, my mentor in in my understanding of libertarianism was largely a man named Michael Cloud, an amazing guy. You should have him on your show sometime. <laughs> Brilliant, knowledgeable libertarian and expert in persuasion. And um He and I just sort of coalesced around this idea of small government. That's what we need. That is the overriding issue that I say has to be the number one issue. Because even if you think the war on drugs is the most important, or if you think war is the most important or anything else, all those things are enabled by big government. And anything government does is severely scrutinized and much harder to make happen with small government. When I mean, government's so big today, no one can, the number of bureaucracies just in the federal government, I mean, each state has 50 or 100 bureaucracies at the state level, plus local governments, plus the federal government has, I don't know if it's into the thousands, the National Institutes for Health alone has something like 57 bureaucracies within that one bureaucracy. I mean, it's just so massive. No one can get their arms
0: around it at all.
1: Not even close.
0: Not real life. It it doesn't seem real.
1: (laughs) We need to dramatically, dramatically reduce government. And we need to train our candidates, and that's a lot of what I've done is train candidates with the game Who's Driving, to run on bold proposals. Now, one fallacy I want to smash is that the idea that you have to be either bold or practical. People say radical or practical, but let's call it bold there's, they are not only not mutually exclusive, boldness, practicality almost demands boldness, because if you're not running on a bold campaign to shrink government in some way, you're not very interesting. And no one gives you a reason to vote for a third party. If you're talking about trimming around the edges, it just doesn't even wake people up. The only thing is you have to sell it effectively. You have to sell it persuasively. You have to, most importantly, put your head in the minds of voters and Talk about why they should care. Why should they care that government's small? Why should they care that we end the war on drugs? Why should a soccer mom care about ending the war on drugs? Because your kid could lose his financial aid. Your kid could um, uh, lose his admission to college, could have a permanent criminal record for being in the wrong place at the wrong time. You You have to articulate things like that so people can see why we see it, but they don't see what we see. As people who study libertarianism all the time, they're living in their own worlds with their jobs and their families and their hobbies and their other concerns, and we have to reach them. So do it boldly, but do it persuasively, and that's that's what we got to do and what, that's what we got to get all of our candidates to do.
0: Now, Carla, I just had a conversation with – actually, a candidate, Eve Brownstein. She's running for lieutenant governor out here in New Jersey. And uh, she, too, actually mentioned Harry Brown being somebody who who made her say, ooh, tell me more about libertarianism. So I've been hearing more and more about Harry Brown, and I'm very familiar with Harry Brown. But for a lot of the audience here at The Brian Nichols Show, they're more familiar with Ron Paul. That's the the person who brought them to the movement. So let's kind of talk about Harry Brown, because Harry Brown was a phenomenal communicator. And I think he he really did exemplify, really, the ideas that we're talking about here at The Brian Nichols Show. That's meeting people where they're at entering conversations people are having in their mind i mean he had one of the best quotes out there was you know only the government could break your leg give you the crutch and then make you feel thankful or grateful i'm, I'm butchering the, the the paraphrase but thank you for it yeah yeah say thank you for it. i mean that that is exactly something that your average person could take away and go <laughs> <laughs> yeah and and they right. get it right and that's the person i think we need to speak to is your average person and harry brown had that ability so Carla, what was it about Harry Brown for you specifically that maybe won you over and got you to say, tell me more?
1: Uh, He was just amazing. And part of what was amazing about him was that, you know, he was extremely intelligent, talented, but he didn't come across in any way arrogant. He came across like a nice man who was very polite, spoke in plain English. He didn't use big words, but his thought, his messages packed a punch, um, And so he was very approachable, um, and he was talking about solutions, libertarian solutions, small government solutions, all the time. Very well-trained candidate. Every time he made an appearance, he'd be putting out his end the income tax, end all wars, uh, slash the military, end the war on drugs, repeal gun laws, um, what was his other big, social security, privatized social security. And he just hit on those messages everywhere, the way you should as a candidate date. So people remember them. And he talked about the benefits and he never failed to talk about the benefits of his proposals. Um, Like, what would you do if we ended the income tax with an extra $6,000 every year in your family budget? Today, it's more like 13 or 14,000 every year. But what, you know, he would bring up that benefit all the time. So people would go, yeah, um, and, I, and and he really had an ability to, to not only wow libertarians, but to really impress ordinary voters who were not in agreement with him on most of his issues. He was just so nice and so much spoke to voters' issues and concerns that he brought people in. Now, the only reason people don't know him as well as they know Ron Paul is because he wasn't a former congressman. I love Ron Paul. I think he's... Phenomenal, and he got in nine televised Republican primary debates. Harry Brown got blacked out by the media, despite running a fantastic campaign. I'd say the best in the party's history, um, and um, you know that's the way it goes. But uh, so those of us in the Liberty Movement, and those who did get to meet him, were very impressed with him, and, and he will always be in our
0: memories. Could you imagine? Just imagine Harry Brown in twenty twenty one, with with Twitter. <laughs> Yeah. That would be incredible to have a, a, a spokesperson like that who could so effectively communicate the ideas of liberty and, like, and like what you mentioned, too. And I'm not trying to go after any former presidential candidates, but we cannot go on laundry lists of 10 issues and start talking about those 10 issues. You have to focus on two, three specific issues, and it has to be issues that matter to. The people you're talking to, if you're talking about something that is completely alien to the person, like if you're talking about trying to, you know, go after fuel prices for for winter, you know, fuel prices in your your area, but the area doesn't get above or doesn't get below forty degrees, fifty degrees outside, they're gonna be like. I, who are you talking to? I don't care. This isn't. But you know, we're from up. You know, I'm from upstate New York. You're from Massachusetts. It gets cold up there. So for us, we're much more engaged in that conversation. It's a different conversation that we're having, and that's something I think that libertarians of today could learn from libertarians of yesterday, specifically Harry, uh, Harry Brown. I think his message, his vision of how to articulate libertarian ideas, it was the answer, and it's something that we we should be re- rekindling right now, especially when people are looking. and You hit it on the head, Carla. People are looking, craving for solutions to the problems that they all see out there. Everybody sees the problems. Now it's on us to actually offer those solutions. And to your point, that's what Harry Brown did.
1: Yes, and uh, pardon the dog barking. (laughs) Um, So, um, where was I going to go? I know you're talking about Harry Brown.
0: Yep, libertarian solutions, more or less
1: yeah yeah um places where people can see libertarian solutions are um center for small government dot um, com harry brown just google on oh. harry brown there's a website with uh, that archived a ton of his material watch his videos read his books why government doesn't work um the great libertarian offer fabulous books i recommend every candidate read them michael cloud who i mentioned was a oh. A advisor and confidant to Harry Brown, an organizer of his first 1996 campaign. So he um, has written two books, one uh, called Secrets of Libertarian Persuasion and the other is Unlocking More Secrets of Libertarian Persuasion. Fabulous books. You can get them on the internet. And they're all about persuasion. They're all about reaching the people we need to reach. Um, while being very true to a bold, inspiring libertarian agenda.
0: Yeah. yeah, it's important for us, I think, and we see this right now, the conversation. do we it, you you hit it on the head too, the bold versus practical, it's the same conversation, the pragmatic versus principled, right? It's the same. It's the same exact conversation, just different words, little little bit tweaked. And and I think to your point, you don't have to have that debate. It's not one or the other. It's being being smart with what you're doing, working smarter, not harder. You know, in sales, I tell us my sales team every single month, do the the high performance actions. What are the things that are going to get you? To your goals faster. Don't just you know do the motions to do the motions to say oh I you know I did my hundred calls today I you know I did my my good little SDR stuff. It's like no no you you want to go out and you want to do as less calls as possible and book as many appointments as possible. That's your vision right? So let's help let's let me help you get there. The same thing is true for libertarian candidates. I mean I just talked to Eric Brakey, like I was mentioning and and one of the things he was talking about for his his uh different candidates that they have is they they go out and knock on doors and that is so much more beneficial in terms of like ROI going out and meeting people physically where they're at face to face. I mean, think about that. If we're able to have, you know, a bajillion Harry Browns there in the libertarian movement going out and meeting people face to face, the value that that would bring, I think we'd make libertarians overnight in a heartbeat, Carla, what say you?
1: Yeah. I mean, it, it, it's, um, I will say it's not always easy to organize and get people to do that. You're a salesman. It comes natural to you. I'm not particularly shy. I've done a lot of petitioning. I'll go up to strangers, but for a lot of people it's hard, but you get some good organizers going and that motivates a lot of people who aren't as outgoing. And, uh, you know, and, and of course we've got our candidates have already put themselves on the ballot and a lot of them need to be urged to go out there, especially if they're local, you know, uh, because you have to be doing that for local races, um, they need encouragement, they need support, they need volunteers to go with them, they need volunteers to just get get the momentum going. Um, and I, I, you know, referring to people like Harry Brown or the Center for Small Government or something that kind of gets you in a bold and persuasive point uh, mentality and gets you in touch with a need for this—that's that's motivating. And you know. Thinking about, I, I'm 65 years old. I would be very shocked if we achieved small government in my lifetime. I'm not giving up hope. But even if, even achieving it in one or two generations from now takes a lot of work right now. We need to be working really hard right now to have it happen this century yep. because there is so much government to unravel and it's not to say it can't happen quickly i don't believe it. it has to be gradual it can be a combination of both but for us to get anywhere at all there has to be bold reductions in government and that's a reason to get out there and get talking to people and and to get excited about it
0: amen i i can't agree more carl and, and you know you, you hit it right there it requires us to do the hard work Right. So, I mean, going back to my, my day job, like right now, I basically have taken on an entire marketing role because I said it needs to be done. And, and, and this is something that I said it, it will help grow my, my day job company, you know, exponentially. Just me going out there and, and taking that role on my shoulders. Is it a lot? Yes. But at the same point in time, that return on what it's going to do long term, it's going to have exponential impact in the future. The same thing is true now with the seeds that we plant today are the harvest that we will uh, get tomorrow. And that's something we need to be looking forward to, but it requires us, yes, to go out and actually plant those seeds first and i think right now is a great chance for people cuz right now the the the, the to use a, to keep going to the farmer analogy i'm a farmer my family's all farmers and stuff so i i guess i can't escape that but the soil is is perfect right now to go and plant the seeds of liberty people are looking out there for those solutions as i said before because we just went through an entire what year and a half almost at this point of a really a big gigantic overreach by government across the board. And a lot of people got scared straight. And I think that's a good thing. And, and now it's on us to be those problem solvers.
1: And what we need to do is get them to see not just what all went wrong and why government was the perpetrator, but now we got to talk about solutions. So what we need now, we've got unconscionable debt now and a real problem with debt. Um, and that's a hard one to solve. And it's harder to sell the idea of ending the federal income tax completely unless you're willing to abolish Social Security and Medicare and Medicaid, because the numbers just don't add up. Unfortunately, that Mm -hmm. wasn't when Harry Brown was running, but things have gotten so out of control. Nonetheless, I would say end the income tax, federal income tax, get the government out of your finances and your pocketbook and get your employer out of having to do payroll and all this kind of stuff. End it. And cut spending, every reduction in, in spending and taxes, they all have always have to go together and you have to repeat it and you have to repeat it so that people start to go yes. from, huh, what can you do that? To, oh, that sounds all right. I really like that. Oh, my God, we got to do that. Right. You move them through these phases by repeating and repeating and then reminding them the benefits thousands of dollars in your family budget. No one, no audits. You can't get audited anymore. You don't have to keep a million receipts. Who wants to keep a million receipts and deal with all that damn paperwork? Right. Money that you can spend. You can take your family on a vacation that you've been promising for years. And you can um, maybe replace those drafty windows that are causing you to lose heat, making the house cold. And whatever, you know, Things that people can actually relate to in their lives and do it over and over and over and over. And that's till they remember it.
0: It, well, that's how we, do what'd you say, Carla? It's the things that they are already experiencing in their lives. What do we say in the show? Enter into the conversations people are already having in their minds. It's, it's maybe okay. not the same, but it certainly rhymes just like your songs. Carla, you have so much that you have presented here to the Greater Liberty Movement as not only a resource, but really a great value to people out there. So I cannot thank you enough for all the years you've been helping us here in the movement grow and also show people that Libertarian, uh, we're not just, you know, out there with our crazy ideas, but actually our ideas are great solutions to the problems we see out there. So what can people do to go ahead and support you going forward? And and what do we have down the the road that we can look forward to for Carla Hollow going forward?
1: Well, in the near future, um, I'm going to finish releasing these songs so please go to my youtube channel carla howell music go to my website carlahowell.com you can sign up for my email list you can go to my facebook page carla howell music or twitter which i think is just carla howell anyway um, please follow me subscribe to the channel sign up for email I'd appreciate that you'll hear about the new releases coming out yak yak bourbon video is in the making right now and another one's uh, getting started soon as well plus a bunch more songs coming out and you know I invite you to listen to them enjoy them add them to your playlist and um, share them with your friends especially someone who you think it might persuade in a productive way because that's what I really, really hope to achieve with these songs. So that's my immediate goal. And then the Center for Small Government, me looking to get that basically relaunched this year at some point. I don't know the date yet, but that's coming.
0: Cool. Well, how about this? When that time comes, Carl, we'll make sure you have you back on the show. We'll discuss all that's going to be happening over at the Center for Small Government. But in the meantime, yes, we will include those links to uh, all your social media as well as uh, links to be able to find your music so folks can support you going forward and share the message of liberty through song. Thank you so much. With that being said, Carla Howell, thank you for joining The Brian Nichols Show.
1: You're welcome. Thank you.
0: When we're talking about living a truly free and independent life, we mean it. And that's exactly what Gary Collins, who is the creator of The Simple Life, set out to accomplish. And now you have a chance to learn all the secrets that Gary has developed over decades of trying it out himself, building these amazing courses, as you can go to thesimplelifenow.com and access three amazing courses. One, being the -the off-the-grid master course. Two, being the how to finance your off-grid home course and three how to find your dream off-grid property course and get an awesome 10 off at checkout by using code tbns10 that's right you too can learn how to live a truly free and independent lifestyle by living off-grid and all of these amazing courses are delivered to you by yes one gary collins from the SimpleLifenow.com. use code tbns10 at checkout for 10 off your order and start living your free life today Alrighty, folks, that's going to wrap up my conversation with Carla Howell. Thank you so much, Carla, for joining the program, and thank you for all the work you are doing helping raise awareness for liberty in so many different ways, from the Center for Small Government talking about singing and songwriting, helping raise awareness by getting different ballot propositions. My goodness, this shows that liberty can be sold to anyone at any point in time, so long as you are entering into the conversation that they are already having in their own minds. So, folks, you know what you have to do. That's right. You have to first share today's episode with whoever you think needs to hear this message. And then you can go ahead and make sure you, when you share that, you uh, tag Carla, but also tag yours truly at bnickelsliberty, Twitter, Facebook, minds.com, and parlor.com. But also, please go ahead and learn from today's episode. This is a great episode to learn from. Yes, please. Hit this as like, you know, the little star button in your uh, podcast catcher. Hit that button to have this episode saved on hand because this is an episode that is going to be testing the the sands of time because these values, these ideas are timeless. Carla's been doing them since, you know, the, the 90s, early 2000s, and they were working then because the ideas of being problem solvers, of offering solutions to people to the problems they see out there, that is timeless so if you want to learn how to do more of that well first what you can do is go ahead and support us here by number one subscribing to the program if you're on the YouTubes of course hit that subscribe notification button and uh, hit that little bell here and, and hit a thumbs up while you're at it why not but also if you had not had the chance yet head over to uh, Apple podcast or wherever it is you get your podcast hit subscribe but also give us a five-star rating and review and then if you really enjoy the show you really want to get your sales acumen on the rise, we'll go ahead to our Patreon. That's the Patreon show or the Patreon show—it's been a day, folks. Patreon.com, and you can uh, find us at the Brian Nichols Show, and all of our our Patreon subscribers, both the five-dollar entry level per, uh, subscriber and our ten-dollar account executives, get this awesome "Don't Hurt People, Don't Take People Stuff" bumper sticker. That's right, folks. It piques interest. I know from experience, it's working. People, I feel like Anakin Skywalker in Star Wars, where he's in the pod racer and he's like, "It's working." That's my uh, my Jake Lloyd. Voice. Voice when he's nine years old, great! Yeah, this is the kind of day it's been, folks. <laughs> we're we're Jake Lloyd in a pod racer, and you're on this magical adventure with me. Why not? Uh, so, folks, please head over to the Patreon. I promise we don't necessarily talk only about Star Wars and Jake Lloyd being in pod racers, but yes, specifically looking at how we can apply the ideas of sales to the Liberty Movement. I'm teaching you how you can be a better salesperson. I have an amazing team, also. Have a really exciting announcement coming up here down the pike. I don't know. uh, You know what? We're going to tease this. How about this? On Friday's episode, we're going to have a special. Announcement: A little bit of a restructuring here at the Brian Nichols Show. Don't worry. I promise you're still going to get four episodes every single week. You're going to get your amazing Sunday Candy Highlight Series. You're still going to be getting your amazing, phenomenal conversations with, yes, of course, those are amazing guests who educate, enlighten, and inform. But we're going to be adding a little bit. Um, and it's going more on our theme of talking about sales, marketing, and applying it to the liberty movement. If you are excited to learn about that, well, make sure you're strapping in for our awesome episode on Friday where not only are we going to go ahead and uh, divulge all that's going to be happening here on the Brian Nichols Show going forward, but also having a great conversation with great friend Caleb Franz. Now, Caleb, he is formerly of Liberty, and he is going to be actually doing some exciting stuff and that is number one, joining the We Are Libertarians Network. Welcome to the network, Caleb. I am so excited to have Caleb on the, the network. He's a great friend, a great advocate for liberty and uh, he's bringing his uh, amazing, amazing voice to the We Are Libertarians Network. And he's talking about amazing people in the liberty movement in his brand new podcast profiles in liberty. I had to get the air date because it's coming out here on July 1st and uh, Caleb joins the show to talk about yes, how he is going to be focusing on telling the proper stories of historical figures in the greater American story, the greater, actually, the greater story of the world. These different figures who have, in our more recent uh, rewriting of our uh, traditional education, uh, have been painted as evil, awful figures. Caleb sets the record straight, especially through the lens of a pro liberty warrior. So, folks, of course, you have that phenomenal conversation coming up here on Friday. So, Head over to wherever it is you get your podcast. Hit that subscribe button to YouTube listener. Hit that subscribe button. Get the little notification bell. But with that being said, it's Brian Nichols signing off here on The Brian Nichols Show for Carla Howell. We'll see you Friday. Thanks for listening to The Brian Nichols Show. Find more episodes at BrianNicholsShow.com. Audio production for The Brian Nichols Show is brought to you by DB Podcast Audio. Learn more by emailing inquiries to william at dbpodaudio.com.